When you think of a hustler, what do you think of? Is it the guy down the road who washes cars on the weekend to make some extra money? Is it the gangster peddling drugs on the corner? Or maybe it's the crypto trader who just banked their first million. When I think of a hustler, I think of someone like Bill Gates, who dropped out of Harvard to start a little business with his best friend in a garage. I imagine they pulled all-nighters in front of their now outdated box computers, fueled by a single idea that would soon be installed on almost every computer across the globe. But not all hustlers go on to invent Microsoft like Bill Gates. Most of the hustlers in this podcast are ordinary people who are working hard to make a better life for themselves and their families. No less hard than our billionaire Bill. But under different circumstances. On a different continent, where the rules are quite different. When I think of these hustlers, I think of Zimbabwe's Valentine Shorty, or My Dovi from episode one, Miss Peanut Butter. Peanut Butter, in our African context, he is known to be just nuts, nothing else, no flavor, no value addition, no invention. It was just pure, just a simple, ordinary peanut butter. But like her peanut butter, Valentine is anything but ordinary. She changed the ordinary into something extraordinary by adding medicinal herbs and flavors into peanut butter in order to help her grandmother who was struggling to stomach the bitter herbs and medicines needed for her ailments. Instead of giving my grandmother just ginger, just garlic in your diet, I started giving her garlic peanut butter. I started playing around them until my invention not only helped my grandmother, it moved beyond her to the community. In the end, Valentine made a brand, a successful business, and became recognized internationally. She isn't a billionaire like Bill Gates, but she definitely made it in her own right. In this podcast, we've told the stories of hustlers all over Africa. From Zimbabwe to South Africa, Ghana to Kenya. But, and maybe this is a little embarrassing, we made a whole podcast series about hustling before I realized I didn't know what the term actually means. I mean, I know what it means to me. But what is a hustler and where does the word come from? In this last episode of the season, I want to revisit the word and all the hustlers you've met in this series to try to make sense of it all. And that is more complex than you would think. Try looking it up in the dictionary and you'll get definitions that vary from prostitute to hard worker, drug lord to entrepreneur, depending on the dictionary you use. To get to the bottom of it, we need to go back a few hundred years. Hustle comes from the Dutch word husselen, which means to shake or toss. The earliest use of the word in English shared this meaning, but by the end of the 19th century, Hustle came to mean hard work or resourcefulness. Hustling for me is the fact that you're taking action and trying to make a living um, and knocking on doors, asking information and like seeking out opportunities. 
Zimi Disikeno is one of our MasterCard Foundation Scholars Program alumni from earlier in the series, and for her, hustling means taking action and doing whatever you can to get by. And while that is in line with the earlier definitions, there was a time where hustling meant something worse. When the 1920s rolled around, the word hustle came to refer to a swindle, a scam, a deception. And hustlers were those people doing the swindling. Yeah, one price, 10 pounds. Did you say 10 pounds? Are you deaf? That's a bargain, I'll take one. Squeeze in if you can, left leg, right leg, your body will follow. They call it walking. You want one but this meaning was short-lived and African-Americans started embracing the term as an idea, an attitude needed to get ahead. A hustler got it up here that every day he wake up, he goes to get paid. That's a hustler. If you work a job, you still could be... This meaning of hustle described the reality of what many black people had to do to get by in the 20th century. That is, work twice as hard. Not only was racial prejudice alive and well, they also had to work against the disadvantage created by centuries of oppression. Uh, the term hustling, I think for me, it... it um, it has, it has like, it's embedded in struggle because there is an element of like, you have to make it no matter the, or no matter what. You are struggling actually to survive. So there's an element like of doing what it takes, no matter what. Leona Muchenja gets it. Struggle and hustling has always gone hand in hand. And for the most part of the 20th century, while hustling might have been necessary, it certainly wasn't cool. But that was about to change. By the 1990s, the meaning of the word hustle was reappropriated once again. This time, it was accompanied by clever hooks and strong rhythmic beats. Black rappers started to include the idea of hustling into their lyrics. Suddenly, hustling was cool. This is where we hustle. Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm, every day I'm, every day I'm hustling. This framed hustling as something to be celebrated, that the daily rise and grind mentality was necessary to survive and thrive. It created a narrative of black resilience and self-empowerment though it didn't shy away from the harsh realities that ordinary black people faced. It acknowledged the creativity, persistence and ingenuity of black people living in an untimely rigged system. Let me tell you the definition of a hustle. But even to the hustlers themselves, hustle has a different and deeply personal meaning to them all. A hustler is a dude that outsmart the small. What I would say hustle is to me is that when you have passion around something that you are squeezing every last bit of the juice out of the orange. We hustling right now. You know what I'm saying? If you walking through the snow to get to work, you hustling. I wasn't surprised that every damn hustling became a catchphrase because it was it recognized the, the heart of the people. Like, you can be a hustler. A hustler is anybody that gets up every single day and figure, figures out a way to uh, make good for themselves in this society. By the mid-2010s, the rise in popularity of the hustle would spawn an entirely new ideal. 
the hustle culture. A recent Insider article calls Gen Z the hustle generation. It seems like everybody is, whether you're busting your balls at the 9 to 5 or adding an Uber shift at night or selling your knitted frogs on Etsy, the hustle is real. In today's highly competitive world, hustle culture has become the norm. A survey from Bank of America says that 72% of Gen Zers have a quote, side hustle. Hustle culture, a message of excessively hard work in pursuit of success without regard for your self-care needs or relationships. The hustle culture promotes the idea that being in the rat race is in fact a good thing, that there's always something more to strive for and achieve. In the U.S., this culture has expanded to being very materialistic, about the aesthetics, and what I have and you don't. But this ideology started drastically changing in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. In the U.S., a new corporate phrase took over, quiet quitting. An unusual new topic on TikTok is causing a major debate about work-life balance. It's called Quiet quitting. Quiet quitting. Quiet quitting. Quiet quitting. Quiet quitting. Definitely quiet quitting. If you think this means quietly leaving your job or quitting without a fuss, you'd be mistaken. Instead, it means completing the bare minimum in one's work requirements, meaning no going above and beyond, no overtime, and certainly no bringing work home after hours. This new phenomenon has seen a cultural 180 regarding hustle culture. Quiet quitting is seen as a total rejection of the hustle culture mentality that has long been associated with career success and personal value. You're still performing your duties, but you're no longer subscribing to the hustle culture mentality that work has to be your life. Quiet quitting is referring to a situation where employees are making a choice to not necessarily go above and beyond what they're being asked to do. And the more that you hustle, the more that you grind, the more likely you're gonna get this. Outbeat everybody, wake up earlier than anybody else. Hustle, hustle, hustle. <laughs> this mentality is uh, quite poisonous. Zaid Khan, a 24-year-old engineer from New York, posted a video about quiet quitting, and it went viral. Since then, the trend has spread like wildfire. Late night emails, ignore those. The world is changing and the way of work is changing. COVID was the ultimate reset. COVID was that moment where people started to ask a bigger question. What do I want for my life? Do I want to continue working the way that I have? Or do I want something different? Do I want to continue to work, which is awesome, but do I also want to be able to enjoy my family? But this podcast is specifically about the African hustle. And in Africa, the hustle once again takes on its own meaning. Fundamentally, it just isn't the same. Quiet quitting, for example, assumes people have jobs. And the materialism associated with the hustle culture assumes there's food on the table at the end of your workday. In Africa, entire economies are built on the hustle. And these are outside of regular jobs or the formal economy. And if we could call it the hassle economy, is because I think a lot of the informality has to do with hassling. Emmanuel Ambuma sums it up well. What is often seen as hustling in Africa takes place outside boardrooms, shops and offices. It happens outside the formal economy, outside the official channels. 
This is by no means a purely African interpretation of the word. But in Africa, the scale is different. Think about it this way. Once you drive out of the airport in Accra, the Kotoka International Airport, the first thing you see is women and men, some carrying bottles of water, other snacks, others dog chains. <laughs> it could be anything and everything, but the informal economy is people in general going out, creating work opportunities for themselves. The informal economy is where most Africans hustle. And it's often not out of choice, but rather necessity. The informal economy might only have been named relatively recently, but it has always existed. Because work was work. There was no distinction between formal and informal work. People just did whatever they could to get by. I think people actually inherit informality in some spaces. I have a friend. Um, during my undergrad, his mom used to bake bread and sell. And by virtue of that, he almost automatically became a part of the bread business. Emmanuel says that his friend knew how to bake bread and the skills, knowledge and expertise he had in running a bread business prepared him to join the family business if his university training didn't secure him a job. And it's like this for many Africans. The legacy of informality is inherited by each generation. And that's why the informal sector would never come to an end. To understand just how successful this economy has been, you'd have to consider the fact that 83% of employment in Africa and 85% of employment in sub-Saharan Africa is created in this economy. Informality has to do with hustling and in spaces that are not very regulated by the states and in spaces where individuals need to make their own living. The International Labour Organization estimates that 9 in 10 rural and urban workers have informal jobs. Most are women and young people who have had no other choice but to engage in this economy for their survival and livelihood. So, hustling in Africa is for the most part a bit different than the usual corporate ladder and overtime work that you might be used to in the formal sector. For Africans, especially graduates, this economy is another way to earn a living. There's an element of struggle and the stakes are much higher. It's not about winning the corner office. For informal workers in Africa, it's about putting food on the table, paying medical bills, and sending children to school if you're lucky. This, of course, seems a little bleak. And sometimes it is, but not only that. Informality signifies the agency of Africans um, and their refusal to depend on government. There's this idea that formal jobs are the only kind of jobs that count as real jobs that are worthwhile and have meaning. And that informal work is the lazy alternative for those who want to sleep in past 9 a.m. and avoid taxes. This is a stereotype that has always been connected to hustling and to informal work. A stereotype that is far from accurate, if you ask Emmanuel. Why would a person go stand on the streets, carry water for 12 hours of the day if they wanted to be lazy? In fact, when we look at people that we would deem hardworking um, who study and work in the formal sector, 
people can barely survive 12 hours of work. This makes me think of Mary Bosch, who has a BSc in agricultural biotechnology, but creates gift baskets even though she has an advanced degree. If it's breakfast and lunch, I wake up around two o'clock so that I can I can be able to finish with my breakfast around five and deliver from six to eight. Then I come back to come and do my lunch. Or Londi Wechibori, juggling having a formal job and starting out her farming career. Now I'm working my nine to five and I'm doing and my farming on the side, now I don't have time. And let's not forget Exonam Gbedema, who did a number of internships to avoid unemployment and still couldn't land a job after her mandatory national service in Ghana. I knew I needed to build my CV in a particular way. I needed to build my academics in a particular way that would open me up to a lot of opportunities. She was unemployed for about a year. No, nobody deserves that. I don't think anybody deserves to go through that. And I don't think that these hustlers' respective hustles are of less value or that they are lazy in any way, shape or form. It's quite the opposite. In a continent where formal employment is not certain, what choice do people have other than to create employment for themselves in the informal economy? And it's here where the difference between hustling an African dream in the informal economy and hustling an American dream in a formal economy becomes even more obvious. The informal economy is the way that Africans, both young and old, respond to um, the challenges in the society by creating jobs for themselves. There's more nuance to it, an added layer of necessity as a means of survival attached to hustling an African dream. And for the majority, this is their reality. It's very easy to romanticize the hustle. But in Africa, for people like Makano, it can be a matter of life and death. I don't know if, if it wasn't us. I don't know even if, if Makano could still alive. Maybe I could be dead already. In Africa, it often isn't a choice or a passion that guides the hustle. No one wakes up to want to become an informal trader. Everyone has a dream, yeah? Everyone has a dream to become this white collar, <laughs> you know, to get a white collar job or, uh, or just to do a decent kind of job, yeah? That would be able to give them a livelihood, feed their family and be able to support themselves. Anita Owiti says it well. Nobody wants to hustle in an uncertain economy where success or failure impacts your or your family's well-being dramatically and immediately. Consider for a moment, if the informal economy provides employment for 83% of people in Africa, then that means that African governments have only created about 17% of formal jobs on the continent. The problem here is that in the formal economy, employees are protected or insured while the informal economy does not provide such protections because it is largely unregulated. What this means becomes especially obvious during a crisis like COVID-19. During COVID, there were lockdowns almost in every country in this world. Now, if you worked in the informal sector, sold water or food on the streets or cleaned for someone, you were supposed to stay at home like all of us. How are you going to eat? 
and government won't provide you with food. You won't see money in your account that you haven't worked for. So there is a high level of uncertainty surrounding the informal sector. People's ability to make money is dependent on the state of the economy at any given time. And so when there is a decline um, in economic growth, for instance, the people in the informal sector feel it the most because people's ability to buy or engage with their services becomes very low. If you are a barber and people are staying at home because of lockdown, you have no answer to cut. If you're a hairdresser, if you so close even, nobody's going for functions. How could an informal vendor earn any source of income in the era of social distancing? That's just it. The pandemic exacerbated the vulnerabilities of people who worked in the informal sector. There was no work from home option and no social protection measures for informal workers. I think it's ironic how in more developed nations, quiet quitting came to be popular during the pandemic, while in Africa, it was the complete opposite. If anything, people in the informal sector had to work even harder to sustain their livelihoods. The issue of social protection outside of the COVID-19 pandemic was and is just as problematic. challenge with the informal economy is that it's temporal. Now, for a lot of people who engage in the informal economy, they do not have any guarantees for the future. For instance, if an individual gets involved in a critical accident or is faced with a life-threatening medical condition and cannot work again, the source of their income ends immediately. This is a very harsh reality for people like Thomas Muhone, who was a motorcycle driver in Malawi, that is, until he got into an accident. It has affected my life a lot because uh, my left leg mm. was uh, damaged. Oh, so, As you can see, yeah. I'm using crochets. Yeah. The accident has resulted in him not being able to work within the motorcycle industry and he's had to find another source of income. As of now, I'm just selling charcoal. You're selling charcoal? Yes. Okay. Thomas sells charcoal to earn a living because there was no injury compensation waiting for him. He just had to try again and see how that worked out. Another issue with the lack of social insurance is that older people working informally don't have access to pensions. A person who works in the formal sector, for instance, has um, their pension fund to rely on. So if you work in the informal economy, there's nothing like pension. And that's why if you go to the markets um, in a lot of African countries, you find people, 70 year old woman, she would wake up and still go sit in the sun for eight hours in the day trying to sell. Why? She can't afford to stay at home. And so there are no protections with the informal economy. The informal economy, the African hustle, is a response to a lack of opportunity. This hustle can't be compared to any other hustle it speaks to survival and desperation. This isn't a hustle of aesthetics. It's the hustle of putting kids through school and putting food on the table. As we've seen in this podcast, not even graduates are immune to the challenges of a flawed economy. We, we will, I don't envision a time where we would say that we have such a strong economy um, across the African continent that there's no need for informality. 
even when people have formal jobs, by virtue of their training growing up, I believe they'll still embrace the informal sector. Okay, I hope you're with me this far, and that I, along with all the MasterCard Foundation Scholars Program alumni and the many hustling Africans we met in this series, have managed to make you think. Think about the prospects for the African youth that soon will be the youth of the world. In the end, the key thing I take away from this podcast is that the African hustle is both. Both a reaction to the lack of formal options that we as Africans have. A monument over the failures of our government and the world to create the opportunities that we need to build a sustainable future. But the hustle is also the other side of the coin. A testament to our resilience, our hope, initiative and the freedom we gain from taking what sometimes can seem like trash and turning it into opportunity. Hopefully, in the future, we won't have to choose between freedom and security, formality and informality. The hustle will remain an attitude, an opportunity, a choice. But it won't be a necessity, an insecure state on the edge of society. Here's to hope, and here's to hustling. Special thanks to the MasterCard Foundation and the Human Sciences Research Council, as well as all the MasterCard Foundation Scholars Program alumni who reported on this series. Finally, thanks to all the hustlers who shared their amazing stories. And most of all, thanks to you for listening. My name is Sylvia A. Until next time, keep on hustling. This podcast was produced by Telltale Media and the Human Sciences Research Council in partnership with the MasterCard Foundation. This episode contains clips from multiple sources including Guy Ritchie's Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, Nino Brown, The Definition of a Hustler, Gary Vaynerchuk, Rick Ross, Double XL, Jay-Z, CBS News, Greg Edwards, Wisecrack, The Life Formula, Clark Keegley, 11 Alive News, CNBC, How Quiet Quitting Became the Next Phase of the Great Resignation, CTV News, CBC News, Quiet Quitting Explained, and Abadantia, How Toxic Hustle Culture is Killing You. You can find more links and more details in the show notes.